All right, ladies, stay with me. I have a lot to say at the beginning before we get into this amazing episode, but I want to make sure that you hear my heart before we get started. Today's episode is really special for a number of reasons. First, Homeschool CEO was built on the core value of inclusivity and diversity. Our community is comprised of the most amazing women. We have black women, brown women, white women, and every shade in between. And that is something that is so, so special. And I love that we are so different. Not only are we diverse in our skin color in Homeschool CEO, we have diverse marital statuses, sexual orientation, religion. We are so different. And in Homeschool CEO, we recognize those differences rather than trying to make everybody fit into a mold. Are we perfect? No, we're not. We still have lots to learn in the homeschool CEO community, but we are willing to have those hard conversations that may make some of us feel uncomfortable. And today's podcast was not some publicity stunt to include more diversity. In fact, the podcast episode that you're about to hear has actually been on the books to record for over a month. Now, I will say it was technically scheduled to be recorded the week before George Floyd's death. However, due to some difficulties and scheduling conflicts, which I now believe was divine intervention, it was rescheduled for the next week. So in the meantime, from when it was supposed to be recorded to the date that it actually was, our country has come to realize the racism that still exists in the United States, racism that needs to stop. We've witnessed the horrific and heartbreaking murder of George Floyd. And because of the events that have taken place over the last week from since the time that this was supposed to be scheduled to the time that it actually did get scheduled, we talk about some different topics that maybe we wouldn't have talked about prior. And I'm so thankful for that. Now, I am excited to introduce you to my friend, Jacqueline Howard. She is an online business manager, as well as a Christian homeschooling mom of four. In today's episode, we talk about how Jacqueline started her business, as well as what it was like being a family of color in an all-white homeschool community, and how she intentionally poured truth into her children at a young age. We talk about how to find culturally diverse homeschooling materials, as well as her hope for the future. Now, this episode is not just about skin color, so if you think that's what it is, this episode is not for you. It's about hope, it's about understanding, and it's a message that we all need to hear, me included. So without further ado, I am humbled and proud to introduce you to fellow homeschool CEO, Jacqueline Howard. Welcome to the Homeschool CEO Podcast, the podcast dedicated to entrepreneurs who want to successfully homeschool their kids while running a profitable business. In this podcast, we'll reveal the truth of what it really looks like behind the scenes of an entrepreneur who homeschools and how to make it all work. If you're an entrepreneur who currently homeschools or you want to start, you are in the right place, my friend. With 16 years experience combining entrepreneurship with homeschooling, I'm your host, Jen Myers, and this is the Homeschool CEO Podcast. 
All right, everybody. I am so excited to have my friend Jacqueline here. I met her online through another membership that we're both in, and we instantly connected as homeschool CEOs from the very beginning. We had a connection because we homeschool our kids or run in businesses, and I'm so excited to introduce you to her today. So Jacqueline, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Thanks, Jen. Hey guys, I'm Jacqueline and I am a wife and a mom of four children, two boys, two girls, and they kind of are stair steps, 17, 16, 13, and 12. And I started homeschooling them pretty much from the beginning. And they are now a junior, a sophomore, eighth grader, and sixth grader. And so my business right now is I offer executive assistant services virtually for authors and course creators. Love it. So what came first? Did you start homeschooling first or did you start your business first? I started homeschooling first. So when we decided to homeschool, that meant we were a one income family, but we're a large family. And so with homeschooling and trying to save money, I was, you know, couponing and doing all the things to try to save money. We didn't eat out. We didn't get coffee out. We did everything we can to cut out all expenses. And that wasn't enough. And so I started looking for creative ways to make money, babysitting, tutoring, and things like that. And when I was tutoring, when my kids got older in the homeschooling journey, they weren't, you know, babies and toddlers. And I started tutoring. And then the tutoring led to me starting uh, leading a homeschool community. And in leading that homeschool community, I recognized that I had administrative gifts. And that's when my executive assistant services took off. That's when it started. And that's when the business became a business of its own. I love that. So how old were your kids when you started your business? My youngest would have been about six. And so then the next one would have been seven. And then the other two would have been nine and 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what did you find like during that first year? What was your experience like? That first year, was interesting because I would work in the pockets of free time. We had a set school routine, you know, they'd wake up, they'd do their chores and, you know, I made them a hot breakfast. And while they would eat, I would maybe sneak a few, like 10 minutes of something. And then after they ate, we would do our like circle time and, you know, set our intentions for the day. And then I would set them off on individual work. I always had them do some sort of uh, copy work. I believe in good penmanship. And so I would have them sit down with a Bible or a poem or something and according to their age level, and they would spend anywhere from five to 10 minutes copying that text on a piece of paper and they could practice their penmanship and things like that. So while they were doing that, that was gave me another 15 to 20 minutes and I would work. And so on and so forth all day. What would happen is I couldn't do deep work. Everything was just like surface level, like, okay, let me really quick respond to this one email. And you think, oh, emails take me maybe two minutes to respond. If I have 10 minutes, I'll get this many emails done. It doesn't happen. You spend the whole 15 minutes crafting one email because, you know, hey, mom, what's this word? Or is my J look okay? Or, you know, whatever. And so that's how it started out. It wasn't awful but it wasn't the best system. I have so been there. Okay. So Mm -hmm. let's talk about your journey there. So how did you transition Mm -hmm. out of that to where you are now? What did that journey look like for you? Well, it was a combination of things. Thankfully, 
it's funny how God gives you children that have gifts and talents that you just don't have. And so my oldest child is extremely organized and she would always kind of be annoyed with me when I didn't have a like schedule or I wasn't checklist and stuff. She was that kid who needed checklists. And so when I recognized she needed checklists and I'd have to make it for her. So I was like, well, let me just try it for me. And it was like this little evolution of me through them. And then I recognized one child needed a lot of oral repetition. He needed to hear things over and over and over. And so then I would kind of set reminders for myself to say things to him or give him vocal prompts. And then, so all these little things, I started to build a system that worked for me, but also in the community that I led, there are a lot of women who had strengths that I didn't have. And one of my gifts is the gift of observation. And so I would (laughs) observe like, wait, how does she show up 7.30 in the morning to set up for community day and she just has it together? And I would ask, I would just say, hey, like, what on earth? And she's, you know, they would tell me, uh, we pack our bags the night before and they're at the door. All the water bottles, all the books, all the whatever. And so then I started implementing that. And so then it made me think, why don't I just do that for my work and school day? And so then I would lay out their school things each the night before and I would lay out my work things. And I started asking my children, I had expectations of them. I said, guys, mom needs to work for this much time. And this is what I expect of you. And they rose to the occasion, you know, even at six years old, seven, eight years old, they really, really did because I also showed them the benefits of them allowing me to work. And I said, look, if mom can work on this two hours and I do a good job, I'm given a reward, which is money. And when I'm given money, guess what? I can take you guys to the circus, to the movies. I can get you this you know, pretty whatever you wanted or this new game or a basketball or whatever. And so it was a slow like evolution. It wasn't this sudden, let me get in here and start this whole new system and we're just going to be these efficient people. So I don't know if that answered your question, but it was a slow growth to where we are now. I think that's, there's so much wisdom there because I was a slow growth too, because I did not start out super organized. You know, I'm the visionary, I'm the leader, I'm the quick action taker, but sometimes that means the details don't always get done. You know, there's a reason that homeschool CEO has a team behind it because they have to pick up the pieces behind me and that's our reality. But it's, I feel like so many homeschool CEOs start out and think that they should have it all figured out at the beginning. And then they get frustrated and they feel like a failure when it doesn't happen as quickly as they put that expectation on themselves. So I think it's so wise and real and super authentic to say, you know, it took, you know, this many years. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. And there were little changes, you know, you didn't do a massive shift. And then all of a sudden you had it figured out because we're always growing and changing. So what do you feel like maybe some of your struggles were? There were a few. One of them being, I do love to be spontaneous. And I just had this belief that if I had a structured schedule, that it would take away my freedom to be spontaneous. And 
So that was really hard for me. And what happened was sometimes we'd be scrambling at the end of the day to just get things done. And that was really, really stressful. And actually what happened is it didn't give me freedom to do anything because we were always kind of, oh yeah, that thing and that thing. And so that's one of my weaknesses um, that's become actually a strength because I had to work on it in order to get anything done is create a schedule for myself and create an agenda for the day. And even if it was a loose agenda, just having an agenda versus just showing up and we're going to have fun and we're going to do all these great things. But another obstacle um, for us as home, you know, homeschoolers was, you know, I'm a woman of color and we were a minority in the homeschool community. And so it was always really hard to find groups with other people of color. And so I had to, because the truth of the matter is I couldn't put my homeschool at the standstill and, you know, go looking for people of color and just, you know, recruit them. I had to press forward with what I had available to me. So I did uh, join a uh, classical community and I just applied to be in leadership and I put myself in the position of leadership so that I could influence the community and it allowed the community to see that I'm just a mom who wants my kids to succeed and I just happen to have darker skin. I have the same desires for my boys and my girls and I want them to be well-educated. And for me, again, my experience isn't the experience that all people of color have, right? This is just my experience. But what I found was that you know, everybody kind of does what they do in their own bubble and they have their head down. And then they look up and realize we don't have any diversity around us, right? And so me being their leader, because I, I led a community of all white moms and all white children, and I was their leader, a woman of color, but it allowed them to see that there is nothing to fear. We are moms yes. first. Yes. You know, and we're educators and it, it just so happens God gave us different shades of brown. And so that experience was difficult in some ways, but extremely beautiful and extremely powerful in a lot of ways. Now, my children, for them, um, they had, you know, I'll give an example, my sons and I don't, they didn't really know any different, but my expectations of them, because I knew that sometimes a woman will see a black boy if he's being rambunctious and she'll think, oh, he's, he's untrained and what's wrong with him? But the same boys of, that were white that were behaving the same way, they would get the pass of boys will be boys. Mm -hmm. And so my boys from the start, I always told them, you are not allowed to behave that way, period. You know, so that probably was, that was hard for them because they're like, well, they're running around and they're coloring on the walls and they're goofing off. And it's just like, they're going to get away with that. If you start that, it's going to be an issue of you're not well-trained or you're not well-behaved. And so those kind of things were a little different. And I wish that they had the freedom to be children, but they didn't. But even so, even if we were in a community of all people of color, I still expect my children not to color on walls. Right. <laughs> so, um, but little things like that, they did have to behave a little bit at a higher standard. And so sometimes I wish it wasn't the case for them, but you know, it was. I'm going to pause. My son needs me. Hold on. Okay. So 
I want to touch on a couple of topics. So first, yeah. I did not realize that you became a leader in the group mm-hmm. of an all white group. So that that's pretty awesome, actually, because I had a similar situation, but reversed. Ironically enough, my uh, older son, who's now 21, he tried out a public high school for a year and a half because he wanted to play basketball. And the location that we were, the only way for the kids to be able to join the sports team was to be a full-time student. And so he joined the sports team. Now at the school, it was pretty 50-50 diversity-wise. So it wasn't really one way or the other. They had all different diversities. But on the basketball team, he was only one of two white boys because that was our reality. And so what I did is I became the team mom, not just for his team, but I ran the entire sports boosters for the entire basketball. I cooked for these boys before every meal. I invited them all into our home. And the thing was some of them, it was really the first time that they had seen that type of hospitality from somebody outside of their race. And that broke my heart. Like, Mm. But I did the same thing. I just became a leader and showed that at the end of the day, we're all moms. And I just loved on those mamas. And some of them, they were actually, I think the majority of them were single moms. And they were like, my kids never got hot meals. And but at this, at the end of the day, it was becoming that leader in that group, just like you becoming that leader that made them see I am no different than them. They are no different. I mean, we we do have differences. Like I'm not belittling differences. We have different life experiences for sure. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, we're just human beings and we're just loving our kids and we're trying to get them the best education. Mm -hmm. So with your boys, because I know boys and girls, because I've seen it on both ends, but oh yeah, how did they process that being in a situation Mm -hmm. where they were the only ones of color and they, how did you explain things to them? And as they're getting older, what have you seen that residual effect be? I mean, were they okay? Did you have to talk through it? What did that look like? I, again, in answering this question, it's only my experience. And so I don't want anyone to assume that all Black children who were the only Black child in in an all-white context had this same outcome. But so, and I just want to want to put that out there just so people don't feel like I'm, you know, I'm trying to, but for my boys, I will give all credit and all glory to God alone that they have turned out how they have turned out. Now, I don't know. It's like, I think God did equip me for, let me backtrack a minute. I believe that all children are given to the exact parents they're supposed to have. Amen. Be it adopted, be it from your womb or from your heart, however they landed in your home, there is something about you that God has already put in you to equip those children. Okay. And so that said, (laughs) I think that God gave me these boys. He gave me my life experiences to pour into them for what they're called to do, what they needed for the time and the season that they were in. And so I have always, even before I could afford, because I couldn't afford to buy curriculum when we first started, I had um, a Bible, a notebook, and my knowledge that I've acquired over my lifetime. And that's how I started. And from day one, every single day, if I accomplished no other homeschooling, (laughs) we did our morning circle time in God's word. 
And because I'm a person of faith, I do believe that the word of God is living and active and it does have power to change, to teach, to train, to build up a child and an adult. And so I say all that before I answer to say, I think that in them at their core, I poured truth into them before they could even hear lies of the world telling them that they weren't good enough because they were dark. But or lies of an of a child who didn't know better and who said, I don't like you because you're dark. They had that truth in them. So when we were in that community and people looked different, and if there was any opportunity for anyone to shun them, they had that boldness that only God can give to be able to go, I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm awesome. Like I'm okay. And so that's just my children, their experience. Did they have bad moments? Absolutely. I did have one of my girls. And when she was a little bit younger, she struggled with the fact that her hair texture was different and she couldn't style her hair like the other girls. And it took a lot of work to remind her, wait a minute, look at your hair. Look at the cool things you can do with your hair. And I had to be more intentional to show her, like, look at this beautiful actress who's dark and beautiful and her hair is amazing. It took some work because in front of her visually, there weren't women of color other than me. And so I had to do some intentional work. So I'm kind of getting on the rabbit trail. So for the boys, I'm thankful that they have a father who's intentional to pour truth in them. They had, you know, we were intentional in our schoolwork. They have uncles that are, you know, black men who are strong. And our church, the black and white men were pouring truth into them and affirming who they were. So it is only by God's grace that my boys are solid in who they are. Now, do they have to be extra cautious right now? My 16-year-old, he's becoming a man. He, he, he looks like a man, you know, he's, he's built and he's tall and all these things. Does he have to be more cautious about how he acts? Yeah. So there is impact. He has to behave differently. He has to think a little bit harder about the actions that he takes and what he he says, but as far as um, does he feel less than or demoralized or anything like that? No. And I pray that nothing takes that from them. Right. But as far as uh, back to my daughter and her hair, I think that one of the things that all moms should really consider moms of color. I know it's so hard to find books, children's books that show different people. And so that's one of the things that I had to up level in my intentionality, because if you just, if you go on Google and you're like children's books to teach them character or whatever, you're not going to come up with books with brown children or, you know, you have to really dig and find and all these things. And that's what I had to do. And that's what um, is unfortunate that in the mainstream, you can't find it. You have to do all this extra gymnastics to find books that show children that the beauty in them, you know? Yes. Okay. So let's dig a little deeper right there. How did you go about finding those books? I mean, like, what did you search on Google? How, or did you ask for recommendations? Like, what did you do? Because you're right. As I'm thinking back after homeschooling for 16 years, primarily the history books, we were really intentional on teaching history from both perspectives, because I realized I took a college class where I really opened my eyes to realize like the history books are very biased. They Mm -hmm. just are, they're not accurate. So let's talk about like, how did you find your curriculum? What, what criteria, what did, did you Google it? How did you do that? 
Yeah, I it was a combination of reaching out to people that I knew were that was their platform. They did a lot of research on making sure maintaining the integrity of Black history, essentially. And so I reached out to people I knew and I started building a list. For example, there's a woman, her name is Belinda. Her website is Blessed Heritage. And she has a lot of little mini lessons on different people in history, um, people of color that have made great contributions to the medical world and to all these different things. And so I started with her. And then it's like, once you find one person, they can refer you to more. And so that's what I did. And then there's another woman called the Busy Bee, I believe. And she has all kinds of curriculums that tell the the story in its fullness and not just only showing um, the success of white people, because it's the whole, all of humanity, we all contribute to us moving forward, not just one color or, or one culture. And so that's how I um, did it. And I did, if you want to share it later or whatever, I, I do have a Pinterest board where I have a couple people collaborating with me and it's just a whole bunch of books for ch- that show children of color, not just Black, but Indian and Asian, and Mexican, and just all these stories of children all over the world doing wonderful things. And, you know, because children around the world shouldn't just be portrayed as poor, living in huts and all these things. These books show there is beauty in Africa and India and Asia and Russia everywhere. It's beautiful. And the people are prospering and they are doing wonderful things and that needs to be shown. And so. Yes, we will share that Pinterest board. And I love what you said because you're right. That's something I battled against too, especially in church. They want to show these other countries as they're all poor. We need to go over there and fix them. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to take a mission trip. And yes, there are segments, but there are segments here in the United States that are, you know, just as in need. But you're right. There's beauty. And these children are happy and they're prospering. And I did the same, same thing. Because I recognize, and I'm like, this is not, they don't all just live in huts with no electricity and no water. Mm -hmm. And, and even some of them that do, you know, there's still beauty in that simplicity. And we need to value that we are, we don't need to go fix every single thing. Just different does not mean wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that. I love that. Okay. So one thing I just wanted to very briefly touch on because this is something that I spoke on in our Facebook group as well. It breaks my heart, but it is the reality of the current climate of homeschooling co-ops. The majority of them are white, married, nuclear families. Sometimes, like we had a blended family. Sometimes you'll have a blended family in there, but the majority of them are. Now, we left a homeschooling group actually because of that. We joined a different one at one point because there were people from India and there were some people from Asian descent there. And we, we love that. Like we sought that out. But if you were talking to anybody of color, not just anybody basically who's not white, because I know we have the same thing with like Latina families and um, people from just different nationalities. What would you say to them when they're wondering, like, can I really homeschool and run my business? You know, they're already running a business and they're thinking, you know, is the traditional school system better for my kids or is it better to bring them home? Like, what would you share with them? Ooh, there's so many uh, different ways, you know, there's there's so many layers to it. But a lot of people of whatever color, one of their main concerns is income. Can I really homeschool and survive? Mm. And the answer, I suppose, is it depends. 
but it's not impossible. And there is sacrifice, definitely. But especially with the online space, there are ways to make money and still homeschool your children. But it does take creativity and it does take some sacrifice, but it's not impossible. And I would also tell them that the sacrifice of maybe not having the material things or taking a lot of vacations is worth it to be able to pour into your children, your culture, your belief about who they are. Because I will say this, for example, one of the things about children, again, I don't want to generalize, but you know, in some ways, a lot of children of color in, let's say, a public school, the history stories are told is one way. And they're not always shown the intelligence and the contribution that people of color made to the sciences and to the medical world, right? And another destructive thing that's done is when Black history is taught to Black children and all children with Black people starting at slavery. That's not where they began. Black people didn't start as slaves and somehow became valuable people when a white person gave them their freedom or something like that. That is not how it began. There's history before that. And so in the public school, typically they're not shown that. So can you imagine what that does to your mind when you believe that your people started only as slaves, that they didn't have any contribution before that? They weren't kings. They weren't queens. They weren't scientists. You know, that's not healthy, right? And so the benefit of having your child at home, you can pour into them truth of who they are and make them really, really concrete. Like, so the example I was going to give is I, um, believe it or not, I wasn't born in America and I didn't, I wasn't raised in America. My first 10 years of life, I was raised and born in Africa. My family came here. My dad is a university professor. He came here to teach. And that's when we came and I learned to speak English at about 10 years old. So I say this to say that my primary years of life, I never heard the narrative that we started out as slaves. I didn't hear that. I didn't grow up like that. So when I got to high school here in America and the Black students had this idea about themselves, oh, this is a white thing or this is a Black thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I didn't grow up hearing that. I wasn't impacted in that way, right? And so I'm even living proof that it really does matter what your children are hearing all the time about who they are. And so with homeschooling, you get to pour into them and saturate them with the truth of the beauty of who they are. So I would tell somebody it's worth the sacrifice for your kids to forever just be rooted in that I was created for a purpose. I have talents. I have potential. I did not begin as a slave. My heritage, my family line is not slavery. My heritage is something else. Yes. In the story, in the journey, slavery happened, but we were kings and we were scientists and we were mathematicians and we were all these things. So I would tell someone it's worth it. Find the connections, reach out, and it can be tailor-made. It doesn't have to look like the traditional nine to five school. I mean, some people homeschool at night. Some people homeschool um, by creating a cluster of friends who, okay, you're good at math. You're good at art. Okay, cool. You teach at this time and you teach at, I mean, you can do, you can just be creative, but I would tell someone of color, do not be discouraged because you don't see people like you. You may be the one that needs to start the movement. And when you start, 
all the Latinos, all the Asians, all the African, they'll just rise up because they've been waiting for you to lead and start the way. And so that's what I would tell someone. I'm not going to say it was easy, but I will definitely say it was worth it. Oh, wow. Okay. You gave me goosebumps. You are amazing. (laughs) Something that needs to be said, um, just so that everybody who's listening now, Jacqueline and I were actually supposed to record this podcast last week. And because of some issues with my internet and we had to reschedule, but I believe that was such a divine intervention because I feel like the conversation that we're having now is so much deeper and will be so much more impactful than what we would have had a week ago because so much has transpired in the last week. Like even last night when I was looking at, um, the schedule going, what a time, like in you to have you as my friend and just somebody that I respect as a businesswoman and a homeschooling mom to be able to share our hearts together. This has been so incredible. I just want to thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And before we go, Jacqueline, um, tell our audience where they can find you. I can be found mostly on Instagram. I like being on Instagram, the Jacqueline Howard. That's where I am. Pretty much all my social handles. That's what I am, the Jacqueline Howard. And my website is also the JacquelineHoward.com. But Instagram is is my jam. And you can find me there and leave me um, a DM. And I'd love to continue the conversation either way and just be helpful however I can be. Yes. And we will link all of that as well as the resources we talked about today, everything and Jacqueline's Pinterest board and get you guys, everybody connected. And she's also in our homeschool CEO community. So yeah, I just want to thank you again for being on today. Yes, it was a pleasure. I hope that you enjoyed hearing Jacqueline's story as much as I did. She inspired me and encouraged me and challenged me to go deeper. You know, I don't care if you're black, you're white, you're brown. You know, Homeschool CEO was built on the core values of inclusivity. It doesn't matter your skin color, your religion, your marital status, anything. We are a family at Homeschool CEO created to just help and love and encourage entrepreneurs who homeschool. And that is what Jacqueline brought to the table today. You know, Like she said, there is beauty in all of us. Every nationality, every socioeconomic level, it doesn't matter if we all look different. That's okay. If you enjoyed Jacqueline's story as much as I did, I want to connect with you on Instagram. Go ahead and send me a message under Homeschool CEO and tell me what was your biggest takeaway from today's episode. I want to hear from you. See you next week. Hey friend, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in today. If you loved what you heard, please be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I really appreciate it. And for more information on connecting with other homeschool CEOs just like you, be sure to check out our website at www.homeschoolceo.com. And as always, Team Homeschool CEO, you ladies inspire me. Thank you for always showing others what is possible. You guys are awesome. See you next week.